0: I was just under there. They're very subtly, Jim. Um blowing bubbles, pretty bubbles in the air. They fly so high, nearly reach the sky. Then like my dreams, they fade and die. This is a special counter-irritant that we are producing here tonight for you because W.O.R. is a program station that leaves completely in en- it but realizes that one of the best types of remedy available in the neo-medical world today is what is called the counter-irritant and so certain liniments are counter pains which Bring a blood rushing to the head, make the old eyeballs pop. This program is specially designed to be a counter irritant to the usual irritants in your life, which are sort of made out of lanolin, and V7, make you silky and easy to manage. At that, we're here tonight to deliberately buck you. I'm for blowing bubbles, with the bubbles in the... Now, of course, there will be millions of readers and listeners, types, who will write we'll right in and say, Mr. Shepard, please don't bite the claw that feeds you, my claw. Now, that's what we're here to do. Now, you just misinterpreted entirely what we're here for. Uh, I'm here to bite claws feed us. Of course, they don't feed us very well, but uh, they feed us. You know, let's know how a few little acorns here and there, and occasionally a few of the shells from the peanuts. That's the problem, you know. We Most of us uh, have trouble getting rid of the shells. It's not the peanuts that give us trouble. It's all the rest of it, isn't it, friends? <laughs> Indeed, I'm forever blowing bubbles, pretty bubbles. Have you ever had the feeling that almost the entire world today is just simply walking around blowing bubbles? Pretty bubbles in the air, they rise so high, nearly reach... The other night, for example, I'm watching a late-night TV show, inadvertently trying to tune up a set of ifs, and I'm uh, watching this late-night television show, and on came this angry folk singer-type girl, you know, the kind with the long, pale face, and the long, stringy-type hair, and the angry look. And I was immediately impressed again how much mankind is... Today, prone to blow bubbles in the air. I'm forever blowing bubbles, pretty bubbles in the air. They rise so high. She, she, uh, she represented one of the, the new type of thinking. You know, there's a new kind of simplistic thinking uh, that's sweeping the world. It's so, so wonderful because it, it, it does away with all complications. Uh, I, I I felt that there there should be really a new philosophy, uh, promulgated actually a new word created something like uh, simplism, just simplism, uh, to be simple, you know, just everything is cured, straightened out with a couple of quick simple answers. You know, just get rid of it all. <laughs> now now you've seen simplism in many forms growing uh, in our time that. Uh, uh, there are two kinds of simplists. There's the right-wing simplist, and there's the left-wing simplist, and both are equally simple. Uh, both have that little balloon above their shoulder blades, which suffices for that head. You know, the ne- and, and both, by the way, prefer to emote rather than to think. Uh, thinking often is detrimental to simplism. Right from the very beginning, they just feel. You know, remember the recent slogan in the recent election, you just know in your heart that he's right. You see, not the head. It's never referred to the head. It's just the heart. It's a, kind of a emotion, you know. Bro, well, would you please bring us a little simplism music up, please? Uh, just bring this, uh, sneak it in there a little bit there. That's it. And so tonight we dedicate our program to all simplists of all stripes. Uh, the left-wing simplest who feels that all the troubles emanate from America. That America is the Aggressive country in the world. And if America would stop being so rotten, all problems would be solved immediately. This, of course, we dedicated to all angry folk singers who feel that all anger emanates from America. All rotten stuff comes out of here. This is left-wing symbolism. And that's what that little girl was talking about on the television show. Now that, gee, wouldn't it be wonderful to, to be able to define what's wrong with the world so easy? It's just America. This America, we gotta throw get rid of all the stuff. She says, Well, why we have wars? Well, America's obviously the most aggressive country in the world. We'll just throw all our bombs and stuff in the water and that's the end of it. It's all over then. And everything will go on and on and on like a big vast song. Will you bring me big vast song music? Yeah, I'm So that is the left wing simplist. Now the right wing simplist feels that all evil emanates from Russia and communism. That's right. No matter what happens, he has a bad leg. He says it's because they're putting something in the water. Uh, his kid flunks in school. That's because they got those rotten communist teachers. Everything is <laughs> from that one source. Another kind of simplism. But so tonight we salute all of you simplists of whatever stripe you might be. And by the way, none of them are listening. The right wingers think, think I'm a left winger, and the left wingers think I'm a right winger. Which, by the way, is also part of the simplistic ideology. <laughs> Doesn't that sort of caress you and make you soft and easy to manage? Come on, bring out a little more of that landlord, Jim. Yes, mankind is absolutely maniacal in the search for simple, easy answers. And oh, by the way, one one thing about all the simplest that I've noticed, they are almost stunningly self-righteous. The John Birchers on one side radiate goodness. Joan Baez on the other side Not only radiates goodness She created it in the middle is poor little confused Nervous Bob Dylan (laughs) Now I can immediately hear thousands of them saying Oh, what a rotten cynic That's translated thinking Translates thinker there. Now I, I've, I've really often felt I, I honestly have Jim. You just keep that behind me there. We'll we'll, we'll call for it when we need uh-huh. it. Just hold it in the there. We, we've got that's it there. One last burst of Tchaikovsky there. Squirt him in the ear. Ah boy. I've often uh, I've often felt uh, it would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, you, you remember that old old canard that nobody talks much about? Ignorance is bliss it really is it honestly honest to John is I I uh, I watched that camera uh... zoom in on this simple minded folk singer whose heart is in the right place we can't deny that but whose head is somewhere out in left field Uh, (laughs) that simple minded folk singer the camera zoomed in on it and there was the absolute perfect picture of bliss totally convinced she had discovered good at the age of 23 and knew exactly what all the problems, how they could be solved. Of course, she defined, she, she uh, like most of, the, of the, that type of simplistic uh, thinker, they define evil as the society from which they have come. That's an interesting kind of symbolism. There's two kinds, really. One defines uh, evil as emanating from their own society, and all evil, that's it. All evil. Now, the other kind of symbolism, or simplistic individual, defines his society as all-perfect. And all evil comes from the other society. All evil comes from the other society, no matter what kind of evil it is. Any kind of evil. And so you have, you have this, the, these two great factions constantly going on, on, and on. But they have one beautiful thing in common. Simple. They are the simplest. Now, they can be right-wing or left-wing, but one thing they ain't. They never see grays in anything. Now, you, uh, the right-wing or the left-wing either. They never see grays. Have you ever noticed? As simple as you'll find them, oh, you'll find millions of them in the in the civil rights movement. Uh, and And particularly some of the current playwrights. Very simplistic. There's good guys and bad guys. Simple as that. There's the evil and the good. No question about it. And uh, it just depends on who you define as evil or good. Uh, that, of course, uh, de- again, defines what kind of a simplist you are, left or right. <laughs> and I've often felt, gee, it must be wonderful to, to, to have such a, such a nice, simple view of the world that you just know, you absolutely know where all the evil... Are. Then, of course, there are the religious simplists. Now, that's another subcategory. Uh, they define all evil as coming from people who are not religious. Simple as that. And they're a little confused, of course, when they drag two or three guys from Murder Inc. in who are big contributors to the church. <laughs> you know, they're involved. That's that confusion, but they never mention that very much. But nevertheless, there are several different types of simplists that, that work. And, and, and when, when we're in the political arena, of course, there's the left and the right. And then there is the religious simplist. Uh, he often will have political overtones, uh, and in fact, uh, many of the simplest will overlap in, in many different areas, for example, you will find that the extreme left wing simplest, while not often admitting that he 's religious, will be very uh, will be very evangelical uh, he will he will be even more evangelical about good and evil quite often than the ones who avowedly admit they 're religious and yet uh, he, he has no trouble. He has no more trouble in defining good and evil. He has no more trouble in defining good and evil than the man on the far right who quite often brings in traditional or classical religious concepts. He defines good, though, usually as himself. All the things he believes in are good under the strict interpretation of whatever Bible he happens to read or believe in. Uh, so, so you find you find these. Uh, this, this is you know. This can be a very confusing issue here <laughs> to discuss it, and how I got on it tonight, I don't know. But I was really hit watching that. Uh, and, and of course, I'd like to say this. One other thing too: uh, people who are not simplistic are always at a great disadvantage to those who are. In other words, the the argument of the simplest is always very clean cut. It's very forceful, and they are also bolstered by their tremendous self-confidence, which come from being a simpleton. Self-confidence emanates from every simpleton I've ever known, and that's a good word, by the way, simpleton. Uh, It just absolutely is. A simpleton is totally convinced that that, why, you know, I've I've, I've talked to, for example, the simpleton, uh, let's take the the right-wing aggressive simpleton. Uh, the right-wing aggressive simpleton. Uh, his uh, total, his total foreign policy often is uh, involved in just two words: bomb And he's totally convinced that that's right. And furthermore, not only is it right, but it'll work. He sees no, uh, no repercussions involved. He sees no uh, because you know it's it's that self-confidence, a wonderful thing to have. It makes you go through a life absolutely happy. Although, unfortunately, most of them are unhappy because they keep seeing the other kind of simpleton around. They keep running into the other simpleton. Then you have trouble. When, when Joan Baez runs into Robert Welch, you have problems. <laughs> I mean, now, now uh, they're both simpletons. Now, I might, must say this. I'm not taking any, I'm not taking any, uh, any value judgments here. Uh, however, their cause, whatever their cause might be, and I'm not, am not against any of their causes. I'm not uh, for communism. I'm not against civil rights. I'm not, uh, none of these. Curses. Immediately, this will be interpreted this way when you say these things. But so be it. Go ahead and interpret as you will, simpleton. Go right ahead. But nevertheless, I'm saying to you here: when one simpleton meets another simpleton, it is like the immovable object meeting the the force that cannot be stopped. Uh, there you got it. There it is. And so in the end, they just take two different roads. They just go off in two different directions because an immovable force knows it's in trouble when it sees the... Uh, the, the that, that immovable object, rather, knows that it's in trouble when it sees a force coming along that is not going to be pushed aside. So they just generally go off in two different directions. Uh, and who do they attack? Well, it's interesting. You'll find that both simpletons, both sides, the left and the right, and the religious simpleton, will attack the one, maybe in five, who sees that the world is a far more complicated place. He's the one real enemy to all of them. He's the one that, that everybody gets mad at. <laughs> you know, yeah, he, and he is the agreed enemy. Have you noticed that so many, uh, that, that so many of the playwrights uh, so many of the playwrights today, I've even, I've even heard them being uh, interviewed on the air. And the reason I mentioned playwrights is because they, they today have, in a way, supplanted the novelist of a few years ago as being the great social movers or prime movers. That I have noticed that many of them will define the enemy. They don't define the enemy as the far right, if the guy's a left winger. He defines it as the guy in the middle who doesn't believe either of them. That's the enemy. That's a bad scene. Uh, I have, I have uh, noticed... Uh, what's going on in there? We got a party going in there? Uh, I, I've, noticed, I've noticed, though, that, that, that the simplism is catching. Uh, as, our, as our society grows obviously more complex... Now, it is quite obviously a much more complex world than it was a hundred years ago, and no question about that, in every possible conceivable way uh... technically we, we don't even have to argue this is an old uh, you know an old point uh... philosophically it is obviously very very different than it was a hundred years ago because a hundred years ago almost all people believed completely and thoroughly in one or another type of religion they were all definitely agreed on that that was the end of it now they may have had different uh... local differences uh... of a political nature but people in one world as the other. See, the Western world had very little relationship with the Eastern world a hundred years ago. Uh, there, was, there was very little intercourse between the two worlds. Now, the Western world was by and large a world that contained one certain set of religious precepts. Now, there were different variations within that, and the, these variations were, were slight compared to the overall thing, which was, a, which was a, well, what, what you could call the Western world religion. Uh, Judaism, Christianity—you can go right down and name them. But nevertheless, they were all based on a single, solitary base. Now, a curious thing about that: as religion has begun to lose out in the modern world of technology, one thing and another, and the, the the great intercourse between the Eastern world—you got confusion on both sides. Real confusion uh... speaking of oh, that reminds me this is F M new york speaking of uh do you have the money button in there ready for us <laughs> wait a minute hold, on, hold on a minute hold a minute you know it, it's funny uh, what 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 <laughs> what this results in of course uh, the, this general confusion where people don't know whether they believe in religion or not you know many people who who believe in a religion have to apologize for it uh... today this was never, this was, never uh, this was a comparatively new thing, and, uh, and I'm not being pro or anti-religious here. I'm merely pointing out facts in our life today that many a, a minister today has to apologize for bringing in religion into his sermons from time to time. Uh, I've known several of my personal acquaintances uh, who, who do that. I mean they 're up there in the pulpit and say, if, excuse me, if uh, I, uh, I don't want to offend anyone, but I'd like to quote from this book here. And he's taking out the, the Bible, and it's uh, cleverly disguised to look like a copy of uh, the New Republic or, or maybe the Reporter magazine or something. And he says, uh, it was said by a well-known writer, thou shalt not sin. Of course, nobody... Uh... <laughs> so he, uh, he really does. He keeps it to himself. I know at least a half dozen ministers I know who are the greatest apologists for non-religion in the business today very effective they've got the high collars and all that and they're they're really in a sense the evangelists of a new kind of atheism which is another stu- uh, another subject and a completely removed one from here however uh, the thing that that this results in is pretty fascinating thing I think uh, since most people today uh, don't have any base of any kind now a base is a, is a, a base uh, literally a foundation most people I think almost all of us me you all of us Uh, We're not fundamentalists. We certainly can't be in in 1965. This is uh, another world. Uh, Everything seems to be in a state of constant flux. And so we have sort of given the reins over uh, in, in in almost every department. We have given the reins of taste, morality, attitude over to those people who merely have passion about it. And so anybody who is loud enough today can get a following. Uh, anybody who has enough flash in the eye can convince a large number of people that he's right. Uh, you'll, find, you'll find that there are several types of people who do have a flash in the eye because they have certain personal problems which have caused them to become very forceful people. Forceful, they, they have a position to defend. Maybe it might be conscience. Who knows? There's large numbers of them in the civil rights thing. Uh, and, of course, then you have the homosexual problem. Uh, where m- millions and millions of them have literally taken over the fashion world, they, they've taken over the theater, they've taken over the, the uh, to a large extent the novel, they've taken over advertising, primarily because they have they have something that bugs them enough to make them appear passionate. Uh, <laughs> this is a this is a this is a very involved thing, and I know that lar- uh, many of you who are good honest uh, people who just walk around the streets and who don't have much relationship with any of these fields who are merely the victims of this uh... are are confused when you go see a play and you wonder what it's about well you have <laughs> you have to know the key to know what it's about uh... you you're looking at, a, at an advertisement and you wonder why uh... why this girl you know why this strange ad and there it is it's right there uh, you have to know the key uh, you'll go and you'll go to this art gallery. and You wonder, what, what what's this little boy, this little kid stuff all over the walls? It's literally little children's stuff. The underground movie bit, which is little kids playing in the basement. You wonder, well, why? Well, part of that world, of course, is, a, is an insensate desire to remain a little kid at all costs and to do little kid things all of your life. This is called camp. Uh You know, many people don't understand what the word camp means. I think it's a new kind of fashion there. They think it's... Well, it has to do with camping. The word is camping, really. And to camp it up means to play that attitude to the hilt, to, to play the homosexual attitude as far as it can be played. Now, don't think for a minute that homosexuals are only one sex. Large numbers of people here again immediately think of tall, thin young men with uh, high cheekbones and... a. and a a dedicated look and a pink sweater. No, no, there are large numbers on the other side. And this is hardly ever talked about. And uh, that, too, is part and parcel of this great new upsurge of one thing and another. So so what happens to the guy who is not uh, a homosexual, or the girl who is not? Uh, What happens to the one who is not involved, literally, in the civil rights issue, merely is there, you know? or is not a religious man or is not a man dedicated to the right-wing cause or the left-wing cause. It's just there, you know. Millions of people are are not committed by uh, their sociological background or possibly even their psychological background. What do they do? Well, they generally wind up by being committed. They have to. All human beings do. They get committed to the specifics around them. Have you wondered why so many people are so dedicated to the little job they've got? The job might have no real importance at all. Filling out a form every 15 minutes and looking at one little meter. Or maybe it'll be something like uh, uh, getting the schedule out at 8. And they will dedicate themselves maniacally to this little thing. Well, because it's in a sense a, uh, I suppose you might say a placebo. A placebic dedicant uh, to use a, a, uh, a psychological term. It's a fascinating thing to watch. I've seen people get dedicated to their lawn. Uh, night and day they think about their lawn. They'll sit at their desk or they'll walk around the street and they'll think about crabgrass. Uh, they'll think about what they're going to do. You know, tomorrow morning they're going to get out at 7, they're going to trim the edge, or they're going to do this, or they're going to do that, they're going to put this fertilizer on. Dedicate themselves to that. Then there's the, the type who will dedicate himself to a boat. Literally dedicate his whole world, his life, his whole attitude, and everything is built around that boat. Uh, then you'll have people who will dedicate themselves to the kids. That's the kids. His whole life and whole world is is making sure that the kids have good teeth, uh, making sure that the that the kids are healthy, making sure you know this is this is another kind of dedication. And he will shut out all the rest of all this stuff, this confusion. He just sort of leaps through the ads and looks at him glazedly and dumbly. He doesn't quite understand why all those thin pink young men are standing there looking out at him and telling him about this and telling him about that. And he can't quite understand why all these tall, angry ladies with the leather jackets and the leather boots are whipping with the bull whips out there. And he doesn't quite understand all that, but he just goes right on and, and figures that it'll be all right as long as he can get the valves ground in his criss uh, <laughs> it'll be okay. Now, uh, speaking, of, uh, speaking of that, now here at WR, we have people who are maniacally dedicated to the commercial schedule. And they, get right out, they can get just as excited about deviating from the log as James Baldwin can get about a white citizen council member. Uh, and, And it's very much the same kind of dedication. Would you please hit the button there, please? Is your car old enough to smoke? Surprising how many cars are. Is your car old enough to smoke? Surprising how many cars are. A car needn't be old to smoke. Some cars start burning oil early. If your car uses too much oil, give it Prestone Oil Miser. Prestone Oil Miser is just what the name says. A miser for oil. Prestone Oil Miser stops oil burning, restores lost power, quiets noisy engines, cuts exhaust smoking. Prestone Oil Miser makes worn engines run quieter. Just add a can of Prestone Oil Miser to your regular oil. Insist on Prestone Oil Miser wherever auto supplies are sold. If your car's old enough to smoke, surprising how many cars are. If your car's old enough to smoke, get Preston Oil Miser. That's wiser by far. Prestone Oil Miser is a product of Union Carbide. This uh, this subject, you know, can be explored for hour after hour after hour. And of course, it's it's has it has some really interesting uh, psychological and sexual connotations. You don't hear this discussed much on the radio, but. Uh, or in and in fact in most areas but you will find that that when a man is confused uh... you know they they found this in, in animal experiments uh... i've seen them performed where they'll take a half dozen animals white rats or something and put them in a situation whereby they know they know the situation in other words uh... they know where they can get their food they know where they can get their water Uh, They know where safety is and they know where danger is. In short, they're aware of their environment. Uh, They're they're very much involved in it. They know it. Now, if you begin to confuse them by changing the various basics in their environment, like uh, putting the water, instead of putting it to the left one day, you take the water and you put it up on the shelf. And uh, instead of putting the food on the shelf, you now put the food under the rug. Uh, and danger, which used to come from the left somewhere, this big sound of the truck or the do- a dog barking, suddenly comes from behind them. Uh, change all things, and keep changing them. The next day, you shift it around. Now the danger comes from the right, and now the food is behind, and so on. Eventually, the, the, the rat or the animal uh, is beset by tremendous numbers of uh, fears, uh, nameless dreads, uh, he is also beset by uh, a tremendous sense of insecurity. He can't make uh, heads or tails of anything. And one of the most curious results of this is then sexual confusion. Are you aware that this, this, is, uh, this happens in many laboratory animals? Where after, after this, the, the environment is shifting around, then you have the sexual confusion. Then you begin to have uh, male-type rats are beginning to wonder why, why it is that they can't have little babies. And uh, you have uh, uh, female-type rats are beginning to wonder <laughs> the opposite, you know. It really actually happens. Now, this is, of course, one of the things that's happening in our society right now. Large numbers of people are confused. And you see it on all sides. Uh, recently, uh, we, we did a piece on fashions, the New York Times fashion magazine. And here, here's from the 7th, March 7th issue. Here's a, here's a picture of a lady now. She's looking out. And uh, she's wearing new male pajamas. And they are male pajamas, look very much like men pajamas. Uh, including, and this is a curious thing, including uh, zippers in male places. In other words, she's, she's got, she's definitely got uh, what the fashion industry calls a fly. There it is, it's right there. And uh, the, <laughs> now, now the confusion, of course, what, what function this fills is very difficult to, to say. Uh, but what it does, Phil, is a psychological function. It's a very symbolic function. And uh, these, these, uh, these new things which are beginning to come out and to confuse a large number of people do not confuse those people who are inherently confused. They recognize, by confused, I mean who are, who are baseless, who have no base. So they recognize the value of uh, a large lady who's had trouble for a long time with uh... she thinks uh, of course these things can be overt or covert she she thinks men are silly and she's had problems with men she's vaguely uh, envied men she says you know they've got a very envied position in society one thing or another she definitely sees the sense in having what she calls sensible pajamas and they'll have uh, low heels and with, with the zipper up the front and the whole scene she will fall right into this on the other hand uh, you find the the uh, the opposite among the male. This this uh, this goes on and on and on, and has even in the end, ultimately of course, it has political uh, repercussions, and it has it has uh, certainly religious repercussions. It has uh, other things which have not yet been quite uh, quite yet been defined. No one quite knows what it'll result in in the year two thousand. But it could result in some very interesting things. You'll notice, for one thing, that the whole concept of camp is mindless. That that there is never any uh, any uh, implication other than just fun. Fun is the is the key word in the whole idea of camp. To have fun, fun. That's it. The world is fun. Uh, this is a very childish, simplistic attitude towards the world, and could, of course, eventually result in all kinds of psychological and sociological repercussions when, as life progresses, fun ceases to be as easily obtainable. Fun is easy, easily attainable when you're 19. But I don't know whether fun is as easily attainable, say, to a man of 65. And yet, he's living in a fun-oriented world. It's a very difficult problem. Now, uh, I'm not so sure whether the, the great advocates of camp, the great advocates of pop, the great advocates of fun today, uh, I'm not so sure that any of them have ever considered the possibility that there will be a day when they will not be the tall, thin-cheeked uh, youngsters. In other words, it's, it's a concept of eternal youngsterism. Uh, is this, uh, is this uh, type show confusing or boring? Which is it? <laughs> it's uh, It's neither. It's a it's it's a kind of it's a difficult situation and a difficult thing to talk about because I think there is also a, a very large percentage of the population uh, involved in their own uh, affairs involved in their own world who are totally unaware that there is a genuine revolution that is taking place. Now this revolution is not as simple as simply a, a, the the civil rights revolution. That's uh, that's just one tiny... Of course, that's not even... I think it's, it's separate and, and removed from it. Because the world of camp, by the way, does not get involved at all in things that are as real as that. It may play around with them a little bit once in a while, but it is, it is far removed from that, that uh, the, the reality world. Uh, I think, in, in, a, in a sense, uh, why some camp. Oh, why, why camp is so vicious... Well, camp is, uh, is vicious. It's, it's often quite vicious because it's largely a destructive attitude uh, because of many things. Uh, first of all, you've got to understand that these are grown-ups playing child. And that's not easy to do. Uh, not only is it not easy to do, it, it comes along, along with it comes a, a profound sense of unreality. It's difficult for a 35-year-old man to sit in a playpen and uh, chew on a Tootsie Roll and pretend that uh, everything is okay and this is the way it should be. Now, why do they get vicious? Because the outside world keeps impinging on them. In other words, the more reality impinges on a true believer in the camp philosophy, the more vicious he is apt to become. Because viciousness, in the the end, is the only kind of reaction he can have. Uh, How does he treat disease? What happens when when he when he begins to develop wrinkles in certain places? What happens when when the the girl can no longer uh, identify completely with the Beatles? What happens then? Then there's then there's that. Well, of course the word the word is not really it is vicious, but the word that is actually used in the camp world is and it begins with a B, and it has to do with large female dogs. Uh, That's literally what happens. In both sexes uh, this is this and 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 in the end you will find that many of the old the retired types uh, when when uh, when it becomes quite evident that that uh, that they've been sort of cast aside because they have created a youth cult and now they're no longer youths then they turn to politics uh, they will often quite turn to things which uh, in a sense, tries to destroy the structure the society from whence they sprang it 's a fascinating subject that in uh, hitler 's Germany, for example, in the early twenties large numbers of them were attracted to this movement because it seemed to be uh, revolutionary it was destroying things to, to get rid of the old you know there is a current there is a current myth about that the destruction of anything is good that the destruction of anything which is from the past is a good thing. Well, be very careful about that. You know, it took, it took three or four thousand years for us to discover <laughs> that, that, uh, that it was not necessarily a totally good thing for man to do just exactly what he wanted to do all the time. In other words, the world of the barbarian is a world of complete selfishness. If he wants to kill, he'll kill. If he wants sex, he goes out and grabs somebody. Uh, if he wants to eat, he goes out and kills somebody's cow. That's as as much as it, uh, that's uh, about the morality. The morality of the barbarian is what is good for me is what is good. That's the barbaric attitude, the the attitude of the barber, the attitude of, uh, and I'm not talking about guys who cut your hair, that's the attitude of the barbarian, excuse me. It's the attitude of the Genghis Khan and the uh, the Attila the Hun. Uh, And so that, of course, is, is carried to the final ultimate stage, which we might possibly see in the 23rd and 24th century. Who knows? They may write again. But uh, the the viciousness of the the, uh, the mindless... See, the, the, I think that the mindless are almost always vicious. I think that, 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 that the lower down you go in the scale of creature, uh, the, the, la- the lesser the intelligent creature, the more you tend to have total viciousness. The only way that the animal knows how to defend itself from a complex world is to bite and snap, and so you will find that that a uh, that a highly intelligent animal rarely is a biter. Gorillas, for example, do not bite and snap at their horizon; they do not do this. On the other hand, you will find that the uh, that the hooded cobra will. He's very low down on the intelligence scale of animals. He just knows one thing: bite, hit. Fight, hit. Whenever there's confusion in the air, fight, hit. And so you'll find a great deal of the mindless, uh, mindlessness of this whole camp world comes uh, comes into full flower when it begins to strike out. We've got a couple of commercials here. <laughs> Speaking of mindlessness, what do we have here? Oh, 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 I feel uh, Peugeot. Now listen, I want you to listen very carefully. Starting tomorrow morning at 9.30 at 2 East 46th Street, that's Manhattan Imported Cars, the Peugeot dealer there is going to give away to the first 25 guys who come in to enjoy a test ride in that fantastic Peugeot 404, he's going to give away 25 free pairs of tickets to the International Automobile Show, which opens next week at the Coliseum. It's a gas of a show. And believe me, uh, to, to get two free tickets to this thing, just for riding around and testing the new Peugeot, you're out of your skull if you don't get down there early. Now, that's Tuesday morning. They open at 9.30. They're open all day long. It's the Peugeot dealer at 2 East 46th Street, right in midtown Manhattan, just off Fifth Avenue. In fact, you ought to do it during your lunch hour. Get down there. That's Manhattan Motors, imported cars, 2 East 46th Street, just off 5th. Get down there fast, man. Uh, And we have also American Heritage here, too. If you uh, don't know anything about American Heritage and you'd like to find out about it, I suggest you drop a, uh, a letter with a dollar in it to American Heritage, Box 711, Great Neck, New York. And they'll send you a representative copy of the magazine, which is... Worth, by the way, three ninety-five. It's a hardcover magazine, beautiful magazine about American history. Uh, the address again is Box Seven Eleven, American Heritage, Great Neck, New York. Enclose a buck. Okay. How much time do we have anyway? Three minutes. I don't know what you mean. Now you said hold up three, and then you said two and a half. That's three minutes. All right. Very good. <laughs> and uh, uh, You know, the, the, uh, this, this subject uh, has not... Uh, very few people are, uh, are saying much about the subject, and I hope that I didn't offend any of you tonight. I didn't mean to offend you, but it is a, an interesting, growing phenomenon of our time. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm, uh, again, I, I know I'll get 50 letters that will say, gee whiz, that was boring. Why didn't you tell us about when you were a kid? Uh, stick to that. That's what we want to hear about. Uh, And this is part of the little man's confusion with the world that he sees around him. He doesn't want to hear much about the fact that things are changing and that there's there's great new forces beginning to arise in the world around him. He prefers to hear about when you were a kid. Uh, He prefers to hear about the time that you you, uh, played hockey and uh, everybody everybody stole the candy and ran down the street and was chased by the principal, one thing or another. Uh, and this is quite understandable, I, I, I recognize that, and uh, <laughs> there it is. But I personally, uh, being a man of the 20th century, walking around, uh, looking at the sky and the sand and the wind and being part of it and being alive and breathing, and, and uh, I personally find the, the time in which I live infinitely fascinating. And I'm talking about the time in which I live, I mean like the, te- the today, uh, so many people are really not much interested in today and if if they if you do mention today you better mention it in a comforting way either that now there are many uh, there are many ways to get comfort now if uh, if uh, many people want to have today mentioned only in light of the kind of cause they're involved in uh, i have many friends who are deeply involved in the civil rights fight which is a great and worthy fight but the only way they want you to talk about today is to talk about it in those terms that's it. I, I, uh, I have known many people who are involved in the camp world, and the only way they want you to mention today or to discuss today is in the terms of what they call the sexual revolution. And, of course, you better be for it. You better be for it. Uh, then there are other people who, when you, uh, when you talk about today, the only way they want you to mention today is to talk about little trivialities like TV commercials, uh, be funny about what the president said this time, or be funny about what uh, that uh, uh, that particular politician said about the taxes, little trivial things. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I personally, though, when I walk around and look at the sky and the birds, and I'm a, you know, living uh, creature in this fantastic maze, just like all the rest of the mice, uh, I find the maze itself intriguing. Uh, I find the very confusion that many of us live under, including myself, I find that fascinating. I find the fact that large numbers of ladies are trying to get uh, zippers in strange places in their pajamas, I find that fascinating. I find that also fascinating that large numbers of men are trying to get zippers taken away from strategic places on their clothing. I find that fascinating. And uh, I find the right-wing simpleton intriguing. I find the left-wing simpleton intriguing. In fact, uh, there, of course, a large number of people are going to say, yeah, Shepard, but where do you stand? Alive. I'm here, walking around, watching. I stand as much as the rest. And of course, one of the ways to be accepted today is to take one or the other of any of these various attitudes which I've outlined tonight, take hold of that and say, this is mine, this is what I stand for, and you will be successful in one or the other of the groups. You walk around, you look, you see, you spit, and you try to keep your knees loose.